Creativity is contagious. Pass it on in any way possible. Albert Einstein. Hi, creatives. So happy to have you tune into our second season of Bring Up Creativity. I'm your host, Daniela Bonche, a Toronto-based graphic designer and serial entrepreneur looking to spread awareness on pursuing your creative passions or endeavors, whether it be in business, a side hustle or hobby, you name it. Welcome back to an all new episode. I am joined with Shanley and she brings her drive and flair along with six plus years of digital marketing experience to the Samurai Media team as an account director and partner. With national food service programs featuring 200 plus chefs, social media campaigns, influencer marketing programs, and digital media ad buys under her belt, Shanley is taking on consumer food and beverage brands and chef lifestyle influencers. She is creating buzzworthy and high-impact digital marketing strategies to take these brands and influencers to the next level. Hello, Shanley. Thank you so much for joining us here on Bring Up Creativity. I'm so excited to have you on here. How are you doing today? I'm good, Danielle. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you as well. And I just want to start things off with a really fun, quirky question that I like to start off every single episode with. This one being, what's your go-to coffee or tea order? I'm definitely a coffee drinker. Usually I just make it at home, my little Keurig, nice, simple, ready to go. But I couldn't live without the silk almond milk on top of that just to perk me up for the day. You always need to just add in something, I think, to just add a little pizzazz to whatever you're going to be drinking every day. Otherwise, sometimes it's like, oh my God, am I falling into like autopilot? I'm drinking the same thing every day. So just adding in a splash of something to give it a bit of some character is something we all need first thing in the morning. Oh my God. I know. Like, I wish I could be a black coffee drinker because I know it's better for you, but I'm just, my palate's just not there yet. I need the sweetness. My palate is not there yet either. I need sugar. I need something in there. I don't know if I could do black first thing in the morning. I've tried, but I think it would be a lot. I know. I want to be that person, but it's not going to (laughs) happen. I know. I just want to tell people that I can handle it, but I really can't. (laughs) But it's okay. We're all, we're all different. We're all built differently. However, I want I want to dive into Samurai Media with you and also your story as well. Obviously, you and I both know that we've worked together, but to anyone listening, we have Shanley and I have worked together before. So I do know a bit about you, but I actually don't know your backstory. So why don't you tell us about what you do and then why you started Samurai Media? Yeah, so I guess we can start from the beginning. So I actually started off in the PR world, focusing on like fashion lifestyle PR. And then I went into corporate communications. But from there, digital was really kind of starting to pick up and social became such a prominent part of brands and telling stories. So I shifted gears and went agency side again, where it was a strictly social media, digital marketing agency, but I was on the food service side, which is something I've never done before. And I was always a very basic eater. So everyone kind of laughed at me about (laughs) it, but I ended up working on clubhouse for chefs across North America. So doing the U S and Canada side food service, working with chefs across Canada and the U S building clubhouse for chefs, social media strategies, recipe creation, and it would all across their digital platforms from Instagram to F- and Facebook were the main ones back then, not to age myself by any means. And then I just <laughs> fell in love with it. I love the aspect of digital and being relevant and being part of real life conversations and making content that impacted people or inspired people. So from there, it led me to Samurai Media, where 
we do kind of two different things. So we do corporate brand social accounts, but we also work with talent and influencers focusing on that food and lifestyle space because we felt that influencers are great at creating, but we wanted to build them more into a business and connect the dots with brands and help them create brand partnerships or events that allowed them to really focus on their specialty, which is creating. So we took care of the more administrative business strategic side so that they can focus on what they do best, which is creating really engaging content across different social media platforms. And that's kind of how Samurai Media came about. We wanted to bridge the gap between brands and influencers while also turning influencers into a brand to give them that really full service agency experience. I love your communication style when it came to Samurai Media. And even when I dive into like your Instagram profile or your website, just the way that you have all found a way to communicate what you do in such a concise manner that when you came here onto this podcast to record with me, I was like, I wonder how great it'll be to actually hear you say it here as well as it's been communicated online. And I guess that's why you guys do what you do. You do such a such a great job at communicating what you do and helping other people do that, in fact. And funny question for you. So you said that you were a basic eater, like you like the basics of food. So did you see yourself working with global chefs across Canada at all when you started Samurai or even before then? Like, did you ever see yourself helping those people? When I first started out, I never actually thought I would be in the food industry. Like growing up, the only vegetable in my house was corn. Like (laughs) it's only the vegetable my siblings and I would eat. And then jumping into the clubhouse, like for chefs scene, like I hate spicy food. Like I just can't handle it. So it's so ironic that I was like known as the spice girl at our agency, but in working with these chefs and being able to like taste the different cuisines that they were offering and just have the experiences to work with them or go out to restaurants with them. My palate's definitely evolved. I still can't do spice, However, I do find that I'm not as basic of an eater as I used to be. And like when it comes to proteins, I will try any protein possible now. Like even like if it's like a sweet bread, which is kind of like gross when you think about it. But (laughs) it's like, I don't know. I just love it. I'm open to trying new things now, whereas before like never even touch it. You're becoming a foodie. I'm the same way, you know, like I work with so many people across different backgrounds and what they do. And sometimes it starts off where I'm like, oh my goodness, wow, this is so different. Like I've never heard of this. And then you learn so much more about what they do that you think, wow, that's actually something that I would really love to learn more about and even try myself. So for you to become a foodie throughout the whole process is absolutely amazing. But of course you work with content creators too and influencers. So you've worked with a wide range of people and their creative abilities. Hi creatives, have you been looking to curate the business of your dreams but don't necessarily know where to start or don't have the time to develop new visuals or new automatic systems? We recently launched a design shop over on Daniela Bonte Designs to help you get back to what you like to do most. If you need administration designs for your client sign-on processes, there's editable designs for that. If you need editable templates for Instagram, there's designs for that as well. We want to exclusively offer you 10% off all products in our new online shop. Scroll down to the link in our shop below in our show notes, along with your discount code to apply at checkout. Curate the business you've been imagining.
let's hop into that business side that you were kind of talking about. Obviously, what comes with business is marketing. It's evolving. It's changing all the time. And it's almost hard to keep up with it. Like I've been thinking to myself for the last couple of weeks, how has the algorithm changed so much to the point that engagement is completely different from what I was actually experiencing two to three months ago. So I wanted to ask you, how has marketing evolved since you first started out? And where do you see it heading or going in the next bit since it's changed so much? Yeah, I definitely think that you need to be flexible. Like I'm a list person. I'm very orientated in terms of like strategy from start to finish. And in terms of like marketing and especially in social and digital, like you kind of have to throw those guidelines out the window Mm. because it changes so frequently. Like you can't lock yourself into a strategy that you created in December without knowing that there's a possibility that you're going to have to change it by like February, just because of how quickly social can turn things out and new advancements. If I wasn't on the platforms every single day, basically all day, I would not be able to keep up and know what's happening. Like, for example, as of yesterday, Instagram just released this new feature where when you go into your DMs, there's notes. So people are now doing kind of like an instant messenger thing where it's like their thoughts of the day, kind of like what Facebook did back way back in the day with the status updates. So I think that you really need to be fully engaged in each platform knowing what works for you. Like you don't have to jump on every trend or every new algorithm change, but you have to at least try it because they'll reward you for that. So you need to be really flexible and open to new things. I don't want to say the word pivot because I think that in 2022, we hate that word (laughs) just because (laughs) of everything that's happened in the last few years. But being flexible is definitely the key because everything changes. And if you're not constantly evolving and helping your influencers jump on these new trends or informing them, they'll kind of be left behind at the end of the day. It's true though. Like if I feel like I've been a little behind in things just in terms of like, it is hard to create content. If you don't have like an agency, like yourself helping you along and to navigate and help lead you into creating like the best choices for your marketing and your content online. Like, I mean, I am no videographer or like content creator when it comes to like reels or anything like that when it comes to like Instagram in that aspect. So I know I've been behind. And then I see people that have like so many followers. And then I think, oh my God, they're posting a reel like every single day. Sometimes for me personally, I think this is exhausting. How the heck am I supposed to block out time to create all of this stuff when I've got so much on my plate, which is why you exist and you create the business that you do. Do you ever think to yourself, similar to myself at least, why is it changing every single day? Or do you know why everything changes all the time when it comes to these social media platforms? Oh my God, every day. I have a love-hate relationship with every every social media platform like hourly just because you get so into the rhythm. You've created this content like a week prior. It's ready to go live and then a new change has happened and you're like okay how do I tweak this to be able to incorporate like this new trend or this trending song or this transition while also staying true to like the brand it's it can get very overwhelming very fast and I think you just need to break it down and be like okay I can do this slightly or I'll post something next week or in a couple days that relates to that but I think that if you were to jump on every possible thing it would change your brand. So you need to like adapt the trend to work for you rather than working for the trend, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. And if there's like something easy that I think I've kind of developed along the way was like I had a brand photo shoot like just a couple of days ago and I thought, okay, I've got an extra hour. Like let's just film some general videos of me pretending to work behind the scenes. That way I can utilize any trending music or any trending captions or ideas. Like for a second there, it was like seven second videos with a trending song and then you post some tips or something like that, like lots of text, but that changes all the time. So that was something that helped out for myself in terms of getting things planned out, but not stressing out, like you said, like being easygoing with it, evolving with it. So like being able to just film general videos along the way that I can pretty much put anything on top of to perhaps, you know, hit a wider audience. It's helped me out. What are some general things that you tell your clients to do behind the scenes or what what do you suggest for them to do that might be a little bit easier for them when it comes to showing behind the scenes? So I feel like things... You need to have content that can always kind of be timeless and relevant. Yeah. But you also are competing with so many different brands, companies, influencers. So how is what you do different from what the next person is going to post or do? So I do find that finding a niche and bringing forward like an educational component, you'll be able to stand out amongst not only the algorithm, but your peers that you're competing with because You want people to keep coming back to your page to learn something that they wouldn't already have known because then it's always new and fresh and they're able to kind of try that themselves and adapt it to their videos. It's like a new recipe, like, oh, I've never tried that. It's it's easy, it's simple. And then you kind of adapt it to your own preferences. Yeah, for sure. I feel like people that aren't posting educational content are kind of missing out because we all have something different to offer, at least in that way, versus hopping on these trends where you're dancing and hoping that people like our dance moves, because that definitely wouldn't be me. Oh my God. If anyone asked me to do a dance, I don't even think it would happen. I'm just not a coordinated person in that regard. (laughs) I could never. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like, if you log on to TikTok or anything right now and they say, there's these people that you can tell are managing like these corporate accounts. And they say, when my boss gets mad at me for creating this little dance move where it's like, hi, I'm Dory. And then they make their whole team do it. I think, okay, you couldn't have even possibly paid me to do that. I probably would have ran into the corner or the bathroom. Oh, until it was and that's done. why I find accounts like, so Betches Media is honestly one of my most inspirational accounts just for like creativity and inspiration. Cause it's so relevant. Like their team internally is sitting there every day writing articles, but creating relevant content. And it was like one video where one person was like the social media director and it's the struggle to get your team to create videos for social. And it like just showed like the forcing of it. And it's true. It's hard because you're like doing your nine to five. You have so much on your plate, but you also have to be on social and active and find that balance to create relevant content. And I just find they do it so well and it's relatable across multiple industries. So that's why I think that they're very successful because it's it's relatable, it's educational, and it's very grassroots. Like I don't think that we need to focus on being so curated all the time anymore, especially with reels and with TikToks. People want to see like the grittiness and be able to relate to it and know that, oh, this is so easy. Like you can just do it with your iPhone and create it yourself. You don't have to hire a multi-scale production company. Like you're not, you're not like Oreo, for example, that's been around forever and has large budgets. You just want to make it relatable to your audiences and like have them have a laugh or learn something along the way. 
truly those are the best types of content because I, when I see that, I actually, I don't feel as hard on myself either when it comes to mine. I think, oh my God, if they're showing up and being so authentic and real and it doesn't actually look that perfect, but it was so entertaining or it really helped me out and inspired me for my next, you know, educational post or my next relatable post, anything like that. I, I love feeds and businesses that, that do that. And on like another note, although a lot of businesses are trying to hop on these trends. I feel like another career option and business route is becoming an influencer. Like we're seeing it like so, so much. And to be honest, their content is a million times better than mine running a graphic design studio. They're really on it. They're doing a great job at it. And I like how the conversation is opening up. There's a couple more doors opening up to speak more about how someone can actually make a full-time living off of this. And I know you've talked about that before as well. When it comes to them developing their marketing strategy, should they be doing something similar to what other businesses are doing? Should they be treating themselves like a business or should they be treating themselves differently? What do influencers need to consider when showing up online? I think there's a few things like first you need to be a clear direction of like who you are, what your messaging is going to be and what you want to like share with your audiences. Because as soon as you're not authentic to your own voice, your followers are going to see that they, there's a reason why they follow you. They want to come back because they expect a similar style. They expect certain content, certain recipes. So you need to be true to that for, I would say 90 percent of the time and then use that extra 10 percent to like think outside the box how can you be creative and like spice things up every once in a while to get new followers and to drive traffic back to those original content pieces and it can be in any kind of form it could be in an instagram live in a story in a reel like there's so many different outlets that you're able to have the creative freedom on that try something new and see if it's a fit within your brand so that you're not so boxed in all the time. I think that's key because you're going to get bored of creating the same content all the time. And if you don't want to watch your own videos or content, like who else is going to want to watch them? So I think it's really trying new things within your brand, but put on your creative hat to see like, how can I kind of push the limits on this without being like so far-fetched? Do you think that when the influencers are creating content that they need to always focus on landing like sponsorships or becoming an affiliate? Or do you think there's like a fine line between posting relatable content and then work related content? Do you think when influencers are posting like heavily dominated sponsored posts or affiliation discounts that it turns people away? Or do you think it actually looks great to the public? It's definitely a fine balance because you want to show other brands that you're working with other brands because they're like, they have experience, they know what they're doing, they've done it before. But I've kind of experienced this a lot lately. Like a lot of brands reached out for my influencers in June and all of them wanted like the same week of publishing. So you got to find that balance because if you're doing back-to-back branded videos, your reach and impressions during that week or even that month are going to go down. So I'd like to be very strategic and map out our content calendars on, I would say I try to do, I would love to do the full year, but it never happens. So like looking at the month being like, okay, we have one branding content partnership going live this week. Let's not do until the following week, or let's spread it out at least 72 hours where possible, because not going to lie, especially on TikTok, your followers 
will hate on branded partnerships. Like I've seen comments where it's like, oh, another brand partnership, another brand partnership, but you kind of have to make it fun in the comments and like be humorous about it because at the end of the day, it is your job and that's what you're being paid to do, especially if you're a full-time influencer. But we really like to spread things out just because we need that organic content in there to get new followers, keep your followers coming back and just show them what you do and why you created the account in the first place. And then sprinkle in those branded content partnerships. And don't be afraid as an influencer to be like to a brand, listen, I have another brand partnership going live this week. I don't want to do back to backs. It's going to benefit you if we spread this out and post it the next week on our best performing date. And they'll usually be aligned with that because at the end of the day, they're paying for the results and they want to see those high numbers and they don't want to compete with other brands, even if it's not even in their same category. That makes so much sense. And analytics probably pays a huge part. Like you said, like you got to pick like our most active days that our followers are most active. And then if you put it all at once, it's way too much. So that makes a lot of sense because I do see those comments and I can only imagine how hard that is when it's your full-time job. Like you want to land these sponsorships. You want to work with these amazing companies because it makes you look reputable and it shows other brands that you're working with similar brands and they want to work with you. And then you sometimes get trolls that just comment stuff like, oh, great, another one. When are we going to see some real stuff? So I could see how hard that truly would be. So to have someone on the logical and business side saying like, okay, we do have to try and not just put it all in one week. We do have to expand it beyond that is a really good tip and something to keep in the back of the mind. But I truly understand how hard that could possibly be when that is your income and this is your job. Because a lot of people think it's just influencers just post content to post content. And no, it's not. Uh, there's And it's becoming a huge thing online. So I love the fact that you're helping people to understand this a bit more and that there are things we can do to maneuver around it and increase our engagement because truly at the end of the day, that's what makes us expand our community, get to know more people and open those doors. One thing that I've always wondered is when it comes to that, do influencers need to be reaching out to these companies to land sponsorships or sometimes is it best that they kind of reach out first? I guess that's kind of like the PR end of things and partnering up. But would you consider that a marketing strategy is reaching out and seeing if people are interested in working with you? Oh, absolutely. On a daily basis, I'm reaching out to brands that are relevant for all of our influencers to introduce them to them, give their media kits, see what they're working on in this quarter for the rest of the year to see if anything's a fit. You just can't rest on your laurels and hope that someone's going to land on your social media account. Like outbound is a huge part of our business because there's so many brands out there that is an untapped market that we want to work with or would be a great fit for our brands. So I'm doing outbound every single day, whether it's via email, LinkedIn, Instagram, like a DM goes a long way on Instagram. That's for sure. And a lot of brands are at least on it enough to direct you to the right person, which is fantastic. Um, I don't have to creep too hard, even though it's one of my secret talents. I can find anybody's (laughs) email address, but I definitely think you need to do the outbound and the work because there's so many influencers out there. Why, why wait for someone to reach out to you and miss out on a possible opportunity? 
Yeah, okay. I was definitely thinking about that. And it always made me wonder, like, how much time do you need to put into it? So obviously for you, since you're doing it for a living and you're helping other people doing it, you're doing it every day, which is a task in itself, I can only imagine, especially when you have to expect that you might get ghosted sometimes and then you just got to move on to the next. Oh, I get ghosted every day. Like, it's hilarious. It's kind of hilarious. Everyone at the agency laughs at me because I'm like the queen of follow-ups. And until you email me and say like, no, we're not interested or give me some sort of response, you're getting a weekly follow-up. So you might as well just answer me. Okay. I'm glad you said that because sometimes I think some of my team members feel awkward or guilty for constantly following up. I mean, I know I do. I guess that's why I'm not very good at it. And that's why I don't do that because I truly am the worst at following up. But I know that it's necessary because even if we want to get like a specific guest on and then they say, oh, talk to my manager and then their manager doesn't respond to me. I'm like, okay, is like following up after a week, like too much or is it too little? Like how often that should I honestly follows my mind? <laughs> like if I have an unread email longer than 24 hours that I haven't responded to, I feel so Absolutely. guilty. Same. Like so guilty. But I do understand like things get busy and it's hard to answer all the emails, especially if you're working on something that has nothing to do with what someone's reaching out to you about, which is fair. So it's kind of like dating. It's about timing, really, and getting that person at like the right moment. Yeah, it's true. And then I, it, it's truly not my specialty. That's why like I'm happy to talk to you about it because I think sometimes we do feel bad following up, but you kind of need to do it in order to grow. And we do have to suck up and be a little salesy. I think the funniest thing to me is when someone says, hey, I need to write a caption or I need to put something on my website, but I don't want to sound salesy. And I kind of chuck a little bit inside because I'm like, I, I think we, we, we kind of do need to talk sales sometimes though. So people really understand what it would be like to work with us, how we work and what it would look like to work together. And I guess that's why like website and search engine optimization also plays a part. It's not just social media marketing. It's also how we communicate on our website because people are going to want to land there as well to learn more. So being able to communicate that and have maybe like landing pages that direct people to understand how it would be to work with them a bit more helps out with that as well if somebody feels uncomfortable to be following up consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly, I think that you just need to like be very conversational and to the point if you're going to follow up as well, because one, no one likes to read, unfortunately. It's true. But people have so much work that they're doing on a daily, hourly basis that if they can just skim an email and know exactly what you're talking about, then you're golden. Like one of my mentors, She's the former editor-in-chief of Best Health. And she's like, you have two sentences to get someone's attention. And this was in my PR days. And I've always kind of kept that with me along the way. Like whether it's a catchy headline in your subject header or your first line of that sentence, like what do you want from this person and how is it going to benefit them? That's a really good point though, that I think sometimes people don't consider at the end of the day, sometimes if we don't have it, then how are we really attracting people? And that that's the funniest thing to me though. It's true. We all don't want to read. When I was reading a book not too long ago, three months ago, they said that people have an eight second attention span and that if they're not interested in what you're providing and you've typed up too much or you're just blabbering on in your email, it's literally like, okay, goodbye. And I think, oh my God, that's my worst problem. Like my emails, I send so much information. I'm not trying to like 
for somebody. It's just there's actually like so much to read that having that concise tagline, like you said, and getting that right front and center to captivate somebody and can help you out in any shape, way, or form. So that is like one of the most helpful things to come out of this episode. But to wrap it up, what is like one piece of advice you want to tell those that are trying to evolve their marketing strategy, whether it be influencers, whether it be business owners, whether it be chefs, what's one thing that you would say to them looking to grow their marketing? I would say be active on the platforms. You want to be engaging with your followers on a daily basis. That's what I teach all of my influencers every single time I onboard them. Yes, we assist with some of their social, but at the end of the day, like they don't want to talk to us. They want to talk to you. So if you have to forego a certain platform or create less content, be on the platform doing answer your DMs, answer every single comment that you receive on a post because that's what people want. They want to engage with you. They want to know you. They want to be part of the conversation. So I definitely think engagement wins out every single time. I feel like people just want a personable experience. And if they learn that you're not going to respond to their comments, they probably won't comment again. Oh, 100%. Like if I don't know an answer to a question when I'm doing engagements, I'll text my influencers and be like, you got to jump on the engagements. It's directly related to this recipe, these ingredients, what you're wearing, etc. And they're happy to do so because they see it. They they know that they have to do it and they know how important their followers are because they wouldn't be where they are without their followers. It's so true. Do you think that if you're, I think some people think they have to post like five times a day. And oh no. Like, uh, not five times a day, sorry, five times a week. But then like also do engagement. And I know that can be a lot, right? I feel like engagement comes beyond all else. Even if you're posting only two to three times a week, week, which I fall into that category some weeks, especially my busiest weeks. But I ensure that I am engaging with people so that they know I'm not just like ghosting them. I'm not gone. I just can't post as actively. So what you're confirming is that like, yes, please put so much focus into engagement and do not stress if you're only posting two to three times a week, if not less. Yeah, like you don't want to kill yourself by pushing out so much content and not giving your followers enough time to actually engage with it. Because we know the love-hate relationship with algorithm. Like it takes a couple days for people to really see and engage with your posts. So I never say five days a week. Like we do full-blown social media audits whenever we bring on a new account and dive each dive into each of them to pull the archive numbers from the last three months and be like, your top days are this, your top times are this, let's start there. And then every month they get a wrap report that shows like where their numbers are, what their best performing content is, dates and times so that they can go back to their content production days and be like, all right, this is the style of recipes that they want. This is the number of recipes we need to create and then go from there. Like it's a constant revolving door and it changes on a weekly, monthly basis. So on top of engagements, definitely look at your metrics because if you're going to post something, make sure that it's what your followers want and you're not just creating content for the sake of creating content. Oh, couldn't have said it better myself. And it is a process. It is a process and a half. It's such a process. Like I know we (laughs) expect growth within like a week after implementing a strategy, but that is just so not the case. It's trial and error. And I learned that so hard within the last three years. Oh, it is. And luckily influencers really kind of get that. Like we kind of 
onboard them in a way that's like, this is the strategy, but you have to know like brand partnerships aren't all of a sudden going to be knocking on your door on a daily basis. Your followers aren't going to spike just because we're posting consistently. Like you have to put the time and effort into it and then you'll start to see results. And then they know they appreciate it more. Like one of my influencers hit 3000 K this month and like, she's never been happier. And she's like, okay, how long is it going to take? And what do I need to do to hit 5k? So it's just like an ongoing learning process. Like sometimes we think this piece of content is going to perform so well. It's amazing. We'd spend so doesn't. much time on it. And then the content that you like literally just shot randomly performs yeah. better. Like you just never know what people are going to be interested in, which is why you have to incorporate your brand into so many different aspects of content because you can't pigeonhole yourself. You need to keep evolving and growing as the platforms grow to be able to really kind of see that growth happen and know what's working and what's not. Man, that's so funny you said that though, Shanley. Like it's so true. Like I've spent one time five minutes on a reel that hit like thousands of views. And then I spent not too long ago, probably an hour and a half on one and then it didn't hit anywhere as near of the amount of views that I got. Oh, like I thought that was hilarious. Frustrating thing in the so world. I feel like reels like hate me. Like I'll be like, oh, I'm going to do a reel. It's going to be great. But then you see the views that are like 800 plus or whatever, but you don't see like the likes as high as like a static yeah. post that you post. That's on my personal account, obviously, but I'm just like, oh, clearly reels and I are just not meant to be. <laughs> we're not friends. Um, we're acquaintances that literally, clearly still trying to get to know each other and probably yeah. truly never will. It's one of those relationships. <laughs> I know it really is. But then I, I'll create a reel with my influencers and it will do great. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. What's that about? Like, like you never know. Like I'll, I'll select a trending sound. Is it going to work for me? Probably not, but it worked for somebody else. Who the heck knows at the end of the day? So like, thank you for highlighting that it is a process. It's a trial and error. And there's people like you along the way to help other people grow and be a support system and help look into the tools and what's going on and how to grow with it. So thank you so, so much. But before I let you go, I wanted to ask you if there's any upcoming projects that the listeners should look out for and where can everybody find you and Samurai Media online? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of Samurai, we have a couple of new influencers that have just joined our roster that we'll be announcing on Samurai Media Officials Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And then we're also working on a new special project that is going to be coming back in September called the Chef Collective Battles. So it was an underground chef challenge that was before the pandemic. So we're going to be bringing it back this September for the first one in Toronto before we kick off the 2023 season. So definitely stay tuned for some more information on that. There's going to be a lot of great chefs and foodies involved. So it's definitely going to be a great event that follows the TIFF season. That sounds so cool. Like, I, I'm, I don't talk to anybody about this, but I am such a foodie. Like Master Chef, TV shows, pretty much any cooking TV show you could possibly imagine I am watching first before like literally The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Like I put cooking shows before looking at chefs, um, live streams online. Like I love all of that. That sounds so cool. I'm so excited to keep my eyes open for that as if I'm not just following you on every single social media <laughs> profile online. Um, but for everyone listening, you will be able to find all of the information about this in our episode's show notes and all of Samurai Media's links. Thank you so much, Shanley, for joining me. I am 
been so happy to record this with you and chat with you about this. So I want to thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And we're going to have to go and go to some uh, Toronto restaurants and see what's new and happening and test out our foodie skills. Oh, yeah. And then you'll have to order some spice. <laughs> I'll try, but I'll have to have some rosé beside me. That's for sure. <laughs> I literally bring the glass of milk as well. Just to yeah, handle just it a little case. bit. Just in case. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. We're always brewing out something new for all of you to tune into and love hearing from you. Our team over here on Brewing a Creativity would love it if you joined our community in any capacity. Whether it be checking us out on Instagram at Bring Out Creativity or leaving a review to help us better serve you as listeners. If you're looking to join or sponsor an episode, reach out to us through email, which is linked in our episode's show notes below. Thanks, creatives.